Hello, and welcome to Cross the Line, a Christian perspective on politics. If you enjoy this episode, find us online at thecitizensbrief.com. Give us a follow on Instagram and a like on Facebook at The Citizens Brief to see more insightful Christian political content in your feed. Thanks for tuning in, and enjoy this episode of Cross the Line. Now to your host, Daniel Hostetter. Welcome to the Citizens Brief Podcast. My name is Daniel Hostetter. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Citizens Brief and also the founder, and I am your host for today's podcast. If you don't know anything about the Citizens Brief, we are a nonpartisan political newsletter uh, that produces three different publications, uh, the Bluebird Report, the Citizens Brief, and the Consumers Brief. And we also produce this podcast. So it's been a lot of fun to uh, do these past few months, and today we're going to do another episode of the Roundtable. So we have Owen Miller from the Consumers Brief, Noah Hurt, and David Struble, hey. and Moose, or Jacob Taylor. And Dad, or What's Tyler that? Williams. What's that? So today we're going to talk about three different issues. This is going to be 15 minutes, just a few minutes on each. Um, but the big ticket issue really in the past bit has been impeachment. So if you do or don't know, uh, President Donald Trump was impeached a, um, before Christmas by the House, by the Democratic-controlled House. And then after Christmas, he was tried in the Senate by the Republican-controlled Senate. And he was acquitted. So he was found not guilty of the two charges of obstructing Congress and... Um, abuse of power with Ukraine and all kinds of different things. So guys, what was your take on the uh, impeachment trial and the subsequent acquittal? One thing that I heard from a lot of Democrats recently is that they're complaining that there was no witnesses in the Senate trial. A thing that people a lot, under, a lot of people under, misunderstand is that you're supposed to have the main trial in the House of Representatives. So if you don't have that trial ready to go in the House, then you have to get all your people right before you get that trial done or, or else boo-hoo. Basically, the Senate is just like a last vote on it. And even if that wasn't the case, it's kind of a hypocritical thing because despite there being uh, democratically uh, or Democrat-approved witnesses in the House trial, there wasn't any witnesses that were approved by the Republicans, which, you know, is kind of hypocritical on the Democrats' part. And, you know, if we're all trying to get to the truth of the situation, then won't they have both sides? Right. And it was interesting that in the Senate trial, they wanted John Bolton, the former National Security Advisor to President Trump, to testify. But in the House trial, they didn't subpoena him, which was really interesting. And they had the majority, so they could have. But um, Schiff and Nadler, the chairman, chose not to, which was interesting. And then they pushed for it in the Senate trial. So it was a bit of hypocrisy there that uh, they should have pushed for witnesses earlier on in the process. I, I worry that we're not showing a... Uh... Do I put this nation-centered view on this impeachment thing? You see, uh, we're looking at a lot of people are looking at it from, oh, uh, the Democrats are doing this, and it's just to get rid of Trump. And then a lot of people are saying, oh, the Senate uh, acquitted him just because he's Trump. Right. I, if that is the case, then that's a bad sign for both of us. Like, yes. we need to start thinking about not the party but the nation. Too many people are just like, I want the Republicans to be the leaders, and I want the Democrats. I don't care which side you are. We need, need to make peace, need to put this stupid partisan stuff aside. We need to focus on the nation and the nation alone. Exactly. And there are so many bipartisan solutions that could be found if the parties just talk to each other and were willing to have these conversations. Yeah, one of the biggest problems I had with this impeachment process is it took so much time. It felt like 
I don't want to call it a waste of time, but it just took a lot of time whenever the Senate and the House could have been doing so many other things with issues and bills and laws. That's the job of the legislative branch. But instead, they took a few months out of their time to eventually do almost nothing. And it really hurt the Democratic Party in total because a lot of the senators are running for president. Good point. So they were not able to run in Iowa, which really started off their campaign and really helped Buttigieg come up in Iowa. Right. It helped people, like you said, Pete Buttigieg or Joe Biden or Tom Steyer and Andrew Yang, people that aren't senators, and they just had so much more critical time to campaign. Um, In addition, um, the State of the Union was last week, and it was very interesting State of the Union. I was particularly impressed. Um, I I thought it was was well-written. It was definitely partisan, but he he highlighted a lot of bipartisan things, such as lowering the drug costs, the economy's thriving. Um, so it was a very interesting and polarizing speech. I don't know if you guys want to comment on some of the things that you saw. Now, I know everyone has been talking about the whole Nancy Pelosi thing recently, mm-hmm. but really, let's get our eyes off of that, because the thing we really need to discuss as a whole is the State of the Union, what this is about. Now, I've heard a lot of complaints from some people that, you know, the State of the Union was just some say, uh, something for the president to go out and say all the great stuff he did while ignoring all the bad things, that there was no evidence of any of this stuff actually being true. Well, the reason why there wasn't any evidence of what he was saying to be true yet is because it wasn't released by the federal government yet. Like, that was supposed to be... Are you talking about some of the statistics? Yeah. Like, he was was coming out and saying them now, but then, and releasing all the stuff later. Hmm. Although I can understand the misunderstanding through that. And... Yeah, of course, I can admit that there are definitely some things that he's mentioning that could that could definitely use some work or aren't working right, but like in all honesty, whenever we're like just in a whole political world right now that's just all negative, 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 sometimes it's just good to hear the positive stuff. State of the Union, you really wanna go there and feel let down. And especially State of the Union is supposed to be for non political people to listen and see the last year how Right. The president mm-hmm. doing his job, and whether or not they should revoke him or decide not to. Right, absolutely. It's a great public forum for people that aren't necessarily interested in politics, but they just want to know how our country's doing. Yeah. And so, if the president can choose to uh, put forth his accomplishments and the really the country's accomplishments above his accomplishments, it can really be a a neat night. But also, there was um, as there is every year, depending on what party's in power, the Democrats did not cheer for a lot of things that even in some cases have bipartisan support. You saw people like Joe Manchin or Kristen Sinema, some of the Democratic senators, supporting that, and it was impressive to see their bipartisan support there, but it's totally a partisan affair, which is a shame. I didn't hear too much of it. I unfortunately wasn't like uh, able to like stick around for most of the speech, but what I did hear about it was mostly the, uh, the military accomplishments, uh, which I think that's, that's good. We, um, we're tying up little tiny things in the Middle East, which if we want to make a lasting peace in the Middle East, we have to do that. Like, a lot of people got mad at our uh, killing the ISIS leader and killing the uh, Soleimani, that was his name, right? Well, we have to do this if we're going to make a lasting peace there, which is what we want. We don't... The United States' involvement in that area is for our personal protection and the protection of the globe. If we do not create a peace in that region then there is there's nothing we can do. We'll forever have to live in fear. And it's 
it's the same with any other country we've gotten into wars with, like Vietnam. We did that because we were concerned that their uh, their government was going to try to overthrow ours with the aid of China, like and the Soviet Union. Now, obviously, they're gone now, so we don't have to worry about them. But then you have Iran and ISIS, which a lot of people don't realize this. They do have really, really strong financial backers that we need to we need to defeat them because. They have the resources. They're just, they're on the same idea as us. They don't want to pick a fight that they will take forever to win. But I like the idea of what he said. We need to finish up the stuff in the Middle East. Another highlight from his speech that he did was he mentioned how great the economy is doing recently, which was great. He mentioned that the unemployment rate is at an all-time low. And as... A Republican or a Democrat, you want people to have jobs, so... Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know or didn't watch the speech, um, at the end of the speech, Nancy Pelosi, the Democratic Speaker of the House, picked up her copy of President Trump's speech and ripped it in half on national television in front of millions of people. It was controversial, to say the least, yes. I think because it's kind of unprecedented, um, although we've seen some partisan things, that was... Shocking to a lot of people. Yes. I, I was not impressed. If a Republican would have done that, I, I would have also called them out. Now, if she personally believes that the stuff on that paper isn't true, then fine. That's that's her own opinion. Even if you don't agree with the political things on the speech, there was still a bunch of that great stuff. Like, uh, for example, that uh, I forget what it was called. That one airman. Yes. Tuskegee. Uh, yeah, Tuskegee. That, yeah, that was amazing. That dude, that one kid that got a scholarship, all those great things, I can't name them all. All those great things were also on that speech, too. So even if you disagree with the political parts of the speech, why rip up the entire speech? Because, like, even in, like, the most, like, democratic idea or position of it, not all of it was bad. There were some good things that happened at the State of the Union address. And Donald Trump takes a good bit of the year to write this speech. We, whenever we talk to the congressman, he checks with different congressmen to see, hey, is this right. okay? It's like, is this line good? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the State of the Union, uh, last week was the Super Bowl, which is the culmination of the NFL season, and it really was a big deal, uh, I mean, for fans who, who like sports, uh, yes. enjoy the game itself, but there's also a big draw, which is the commercials and the halftime show. So what were your thoughts on the game, the halftime show, and the commercials? The commercials, um, I like those commercials. I, yeah. I've already seen them the week before on different ads and things, but one that has to stand out with me is the hummus commercial, where he said, where one guy said, um, America, how do you dip? And it showed different American, mostly left idea. There was about two drag queens. There were a couple TikTokers, a YouTuber. <laughs> um, I think that was kind of cool, but it also showed, hey, we're a little, hey, we support this too. So that was a little bit interesting to me. Absolutely. I watched the game for the game. I was... I'm a Packers fan, so I was disappointed that we weren't yes. able to make it up there. But it was great, considering I write articles on the Super Bowl for the Consumers Brief. I was watching it with great interest. I didn't know how the game was going to go. That fourth quarter was very entertaining it with Patrick was. Mahomes was. leading the game down. The Chiefs yeah. ended up winning it, and they deserved it the way they played at the end of the game on both sides of the ball. 
That would Chiefs first victory in 50 years. They have not won yeah. since, since Super Bowl, Bowl IV. Four. Yep. It was huge for their organization, and it was it was really fun to watch uh, their games this postseason. They had three big comeback wins, yes. a huge comeback against the Texans in the divisional game, a comeback against the Titans at the end of the conference game when it looked like the Titans were going to win, mm-hmm. and then their amazing Super Bowl comeback against the great 49ers. The thing that, uh, that my grievance is, is like, so usually people would like to keep politics out of, you know, sports and stuff. Right. But, like, there was there was a Bloomberg ad played at the Super Bowl. A few, and, you know, yeah. people are like, well, hey, the politics are slowly seeping their way into sports anyway. It's not a big deal. And, you know, I'd be like, sure, yeah, you make a good point. But there was also a proposition to have a pro-gun ad played, uh, played at the place, and it was denied. Yep. So this is what I don't understand. You're... Now, the NFL, which shouldn't even be political at all, is accepting one kind of political ad, not accepting the other. They accepted a Donald Trump ad. They did accept a Donald Trump ad. That's, 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 a, that's a good point. Good. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying that uh, if you're going to post one side of the story to a situation, and the other side is like, hey, we want to give our thing to you, we'll pay you for this ad and everything, then why not accept it? And in addition to the pro-gun ad that you were talking about, uh, there's an organization called Faces of Choice, which we saw at the March for Life. They showed a video of babies that had uh, survived abortion and uh, that had grown into adults, and it was those adults talking about their stories. And they recorded an ad to play at the Super Bowl, but their ad was also denied as well. Again, I don't want to read too much into their decision. There could have been other factors, but it's a little sketchy yeah, like, considering that there were other if there's others, If there's other like standards or factors to the whole thing, that I don't know about, that I completely understand. But if that's not true, then I'm, I would call out the NFL on that thing. Either keep your thing unpolitical completely, or keep it bipartisan. And we just have a couple seconds left, but what were your thoughts on the very interesting halftime show? I didn't uh, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of people were like, that was super weird. Like, why would they do that? Like, it's not very family-friendly. Right. Um... I I would argue that it is it was Miami, and uh, I, as far as I know, that kind of stuff is sort of the culture down there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but as, from what I've learned in uh, what's it, a Spanish class, Miami is a very uh, Spanish Correct. culture, there, and they do have parties like that. There's so, one thing I have to say about the halftime show. I do not that is not something that kids should be watching. <laughs> it should be for all ages. Right. And I was not impressed by uh, who was Jennifer Lopez and Shakira, their, their, yeah. their decisions to flaunt themselves in front of the camera. But it was a very interesting Super Bowl. Uh, well, thank you guys for <laughs> listening to today's podcast. It's a joy to do the roundtable, and we'll hope to do more in the future. Have a great day.